Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. The holiday period can be a joyous time filled with magical moments with loved ones. But for some, it can be a reminder of grief, financial stress, and just tension as you race up to this busy time of year. In this episode of the Bravery Academy, I'm joined by our resident psychologist, Dr. Victoria Thompson, as she shares her ways to cope through this busy, often stressful, and sometimes magical time. Welcome back, Dr. Vic, to the Bravery Academy. I'm excited to have you here because so many people get triggered this time of year with stress, with family, with finances, all the things coming into the holiday period. First of all, how are you feeling coming into this holiday period? All right. It's going to be the first Christmas where me and my partner's families are going to be together. So I guess that will be interesting in terms of, you know, how dynamics play out and that sort of thing. So I'm looking forward to it, but it'd be a lot of people. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. (laughs) I think it's a great space to start though, isn't it? How uh, families make a big difference to us with our experience at Christmas. And we know that Christmases and holidays aren't always happy times, people. And so it's what I want to do today is have a lens over that so people can look at, well, how do we find support in these times? How do we navigate it? And taking a moment to pause before you get there, because what I hear from people is everybody's on this like downhill roller coaster trying to race towards the holidays and they get there and they go, oh, now mm. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. So let's start with what can people do before they get to the holiday to help them manage that stress better? Mm. Well, I think, I mean, that's it's such a useful thing to reflect on, isn't it? That what often happens is in the buildup, we're so full on, you know, there is a lot to do, a huge amount of organization and logistics. And so, yeah, like you said, by the time you get there, it's like, oh, God, I can't wait for this to be done or I'm, I'm too exhausted to enjoy it. And so I think, you know, we should learn from our previous years. What have, you know, what have we experienced? What was last Christmas like? What did I do in the lead up and what would I do differently? Because it, it's hard. I mean, there is a lot to do, but how do you balance 
making sure that you keep things realistic, you look after yourself in the lead up so that when you get to Christmas, you're not complete wreck. Mm, absolutely. I was looking at some of the stats on this as well. And then I found in an American study, 88% of Americans felt stressed while celebrating the holidays. This like, <laughs> you're not actually going into that time going, yay, this is amazing. You're actually going in there going, I got to get myself through this. And there's so many triggers with that. Let's talk about family triggers first. So how do we navigate that? And obviously there's lots of different family demographics, whether it's with extended family, with the small groups, large groups. How do we deal with the conflict that can sometimes show up over that time? Yeah, I mean, it's always an interesting one in terms of, you know, family dynamics. No one's family is perfect. There's always some sort of niggly bits or complicated dynamic that exists. You know, something that's really interesting is the experience of going back to your familial home and perhaps going to spend Christmas with your parents. And often what can happen is a bit of a regression. So people can revert back to some of the behaviors that maybe they used to engage in when they were sort of like a teenager or, I don't know, adolescent. Um, because it's the environment that brings it out in you. So you might even notice that in that environment you're showing up in a way that you haven't shown up in for ages because it's it's the trigger of being back in that place as I always think that that's something really interesting and useful to be aware of is oh gosh okay if I do have some sticky points there which most people do going into that what what do I want to do and a useful tool that is handy for that is something called a coperhead and so maybe you've had previous experience going over Christmas before or, or going to spend time with your, your parents, for example. You may know some of the sticky spots. And so what you can do is actually try and plan ahead to problem solve. Okay, so if this dynamic starts to occur, if they say something to me, whatever it is that's sticky for you, perhaps you feel infantilized, perhaps they've got different political or religious views to you, that you can prepare what you're going to say and how you're going to respond so that we're not so on the spot and more likely to respond in a way that doesn't really fit our value system anymore. And you can just kind of run through it in your mind and what you might do. Other things that you can do as well is something with visualization. If you're quite a visual person, it's, it's helpful to play it out in your head how you would imagine it and then plan for how you're going to respond. And at the same time, making sure that you're practicing your deep and slow breathing so that your nervous system is slowing down. And so it may just be a helpful tool to think about prepping ahead. If you know that this is going to probably happen, well, then, okay, how do I want to respond? How do I want to show up? Yeah. I think it's a great way. So I'm hearing that if you can pre-plan, you can take that reactivity out of the moment and you're going to help yourself take that down a level so that there's probably less conflict in the first place. Because as we know, the only person you can really control in that situation is yourself. But that time to pre-plan is an important one when you're already feeling busy and stressed. So I also think it's the accumulation before you get there. And one of the things that it's important to look at is, you know, what's your role, whether it's in your family? Are you the child? Are you the daughter-in-law? Are you the, the father, the mother? What role are you playing in this? And I bring that up because sometimes it can be that the responsibilities, there's some good research on this too, that more women than men shoulder the responsibility of the holiday shopping and planning and report stress from the limited time available to get everything done. 
So you may be looking at your partner and be like, oh, they're being so crabby or they're being so short with me. And oh, can they just be the fun person? It's Christmas time. But maybe checking in with what's going on and what roles everybody's playing in that. And I looked at that from many years from my family going, well, why is this person always doing all the food and all these elements? Like, why can't we all help out? But then we realize sometimes that person needs to control that because that's their way of kind of managing through too. So (laughs) you've got to stop and look at the big picture for the whole family. But I like this concept of pre-planning, even though you never know which way you're going to react in it, especially for my family. I'm the family of six kids. So if we can, yeah, (laughs) the dynamics, unusual. And, but great for the family that's listening, particularly my sister, she knows uh, that, that there is always going to be something when we're being thrown into an environment where you're probably not sleeping very well because you're in a new place. You're probably not eating what you want as well. You may be drinking a bit more to kind of cope with the stress. I had a friend I was running with just the other day and she was like, yep, I'm going to go see the in-laws. And so I get the alcohol out. And I was like, interesting that that's a straight coping mechanism to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, compassionately understandable you know that it gives us a release and an escape and it does calm people down in general yeah depending on how much you have I suppose but yeah the risk is of course becoming overly reliant on that during times of stress in general but around family and sometimes alcohol can make us much more reactive shuts down our frontal lobe And so the frontal lobe is responsible for executive function, decision-making, problem-solving, personality, is when you shut that down. I mean, hello, most people have been there. They've been like, what was I up to last night, right? And so it's just thinking about, is it sensible? You know, I understand the place where it's coming from, but is it sensible? Is it going to help the situation? Actually, you know, a few wines deep, you're probably going to be saying stuff that you wouldn't say if you hadn't had anything to drink. So the filter. I think that's why I like the person I was talking with as well was someone that works in trauma and understands that. And I was like, so it's because it's actually quite uncomfortable to be present sometimes when things feel uncertain or you can pick up on people's behaviors and go, oh, this doesn't feel right. So no wonder people kind of want those outlets, especially also when you've been coming off a stressful period coming into it. So I think, like you said, coming into this awareness around what is this holiday period going to look like for me? And I think there's also phases of it too. You've got the like build up to the Christmas, you've got the New Year's hype, and then you've got the, oh, and that's when the holiday starts often in New Zealand where we are. But around the world, obviously, there's different, there's shorter holidays here, they have the summer holidays. But right now, I think the planning around, why can't we focus on putting in self-care and boundaries earlier on and Mm. making it the best version of Christmas that it could possibly be? Yeah. I mean, you're so right, because I've seen that research as well around the role of women and how much more pressure that they feel compared. So naturally, during times of stress, what happens is our routine starts to slip. Things that we do to keep ourselves well, adequate nutrition, regular movement, enough sleep, less alcohol, all of those things start to fall by the wayside. And fair enough, you know, there is a lot of demands. You know, you've got Christmas functions, family events. Lots of people experience an increased workload towards the end of the year, plus the preparations. And so I think it is important to be mindful of what you want to do around your routine and what helps you to feel good and trying to instill as much of of that as possible during the the holiday period. Exactly. And that's going to be about speaking 
your needs and boundaries around that to whoever's involved in that as well. Mm -hmm. I've seen that shift in my family in the last few years where people will be like, right, I'm going out for exercise. This is me. I'm going to do my time. We'll come back together at a certain time to actually be together. But making sure people are nurturing themselves. And it's it's interesting seeing that shift as also nieces and nephews get older and people aren't demanding as much of the younger age. Because there's also research around that, which is that the holiday stress is much higher for people that have children as well at that sort of younger stage and at home. There's a lot more to be managing, to be dealing with, and you're not necessarily going in and just going relaxing like the the shown in the people age 30 and younger that are like, yes, holidays, amazing, definitely decrease stress. You know, it's it's looking at which stage you are at and then mm. also having compassion for others that are at different stages. Mm. Mm. I mean, yeah, I imagine it's way more stressful. I mean, they're not at school and you also have social expectations. Yes. What? Christmas or whatever you celebrate should look like you know that it should be this amazing time where the family comes together and we share food and and presents and everyone's happy and plays games and and the reality is that it often isn't like that Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. I think one of the things coming into this year particularly is the financial pressure that's Mm -hmm. been on many of us, many people that are already just struggling to pay rent, to pay mortgages. Like you see those expectations of financial pressure of being able to pay for the the certain style of food or the the constantness of the delivering and catering for others and then definitely when it comes to buying gifts and presents and the expectations around that and I think that's also a really good place to be able to have conversations before that and set budgets have you got any other ideas that people can deal with the financial stress over this time yeah I mean I Look, it's a huge stressor on an individual level, but also in relationships. I think the stats are around, you know, people tend to have more separation and divorces during the the festive period. And they, they suggest that financial stress is one of the main reasons for that. And of course, it naturally it is. Like all of the things that you said, it, it comes at a huge cost. And this year in particular, 
has been incredibly demanding for most people. And so, yeah, I anticipate that that stressor will be front of mind for many people um, moving into this period. And what I think is useful is, 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 like you said, to be transparent, open up communication about it. I, I know that people find talking about finances sometimes really challenging. However, it kind of needs to be said because if you are on one page and your partner is on another financially, that's going to lead to a lot of conflict. And, you know, you don't want to be caught out moving into the new year where you've realized that you've had completely different perceptions of how you're spending your money. And so I think what's, what I would really encourage is that before Christmas starts or the, the holiday period starts is to sit down with the other person in your life and talk about the really important things, family dynamics, Yes. Managing time that's spent with each family, your own boundaries, what you guys need to do individually to look after yourselves, what you need to do as a couple to look after yourselves, because you also start to lose couple time. Mm-hmm. You don't have the time to spend quality time just as a pair and to really lay out what, what you guys want to do with your money and how it's going to be spent. I like that. And I think that from that lens of the you know, going into a relationship, even if it's a new relationship, that's a really important conversation to be having. Like you said at the start, it's like, this is our first time combining families. And that mm-hmm. has so much uniqueness in itself and richness and complexity. And then there's also elements of like, and how do we just find us time? But mm-hmm. what about for the people that are single over this time, which can again be really challenging coming into Christmas, but then New Year's or away from family? How do we deal with that? Yeah, I mean, loneliness is something that is really strongly experienced by people during this time. And it's not, hey, that's not to say that single people are lonely at Christmas. Like, no, I'm not saying that. But but a lot of people are isolated yes. during the holiday period. And so I, I think if you, if you are in a position similar to that, it's worthwhile reflecting on, you know, how you can kind of make the best of the situation you're in. And sometimes that can involve doing things outside the home that sort of contribute. I know a lot of people in that position can sometimes do sort of charity stuff around that time so they get a bit of community. It's also worthwhile connecting in with sort of wider friendship groups and seeing if anyone else also hasn't got many people around during the holidays and perhaps it's a good opportunity to build some connection there. But naturally, a really challenging time. But important to remember also that it is just a discrete period of time and it will pass. And after that, you know, life goes back to normal and it's, you know, it, it's just a hard time. And I, I don't think that we can necessarily kind of make that an easier thing for people. You know, it is going to be hard to be lonely or by yourself or with not many people around or separated from family at Christmas. I think the importance that I take away from that as well is that knowing that it shall pass, like many of the things we talk about here, those tough times. And and even though we're saying it, for many people, this is a joyous time, but for others, it can be a challenge. And so whether you are single, but still around family, that's great as well. It's around the perception of how you feel with it. But one of the things that always comes up for people that I work with is often grief around this time. Mm. So it can be a first, a first without my husband or without my partner, whether the the relationships ended or they've actually passed away. 
And and sometimes acknowledging that it may not even be the first, it still might be the second or the third, but it still has a resounding impact on this experience and that loneliness, well, that missing, right? That grief coming up. Yeah. How do we deal with that over that time? Well, I mean, it will. If someone's important to you and they're no longer there and someone that you shared those times with are absent, it's incredibly hard. I think it's important to remember that we can experience multiple feelings at once. We can grieve and we can be sad, but we can also maybe have pockets of of happiness or a few laughs along the way. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the same or that it's going to be the best holidays of your life or anything like that. But I always think it's useful to remember that just because I'm grieving something doesn't mean that I can't have moments where I enjoy things because sometimes people can feel guilt as well for sort of experiencing happiness in times of grief. And so, yeah, just remembering that, hey, feelings are complex. Human beings are complex. Just because you had a moment of joy or a moment of sadness doesn't mean that you might not be able to feel other things too. It's just probably going to be a bit of a roller coaster, and that's okay. And I think what I've seen for some people is we suppress it before it comes in, and then so it hits like an absolute freight train when it does come through. And because we don't want to actually feel because those big emotions of sadness and grief are so intense. And like you said, it's that they will pass and then there'll be the complexity of the other emotions that we need to let allow to come through as well. That when mm. we kind of hold and we stay stuck in it, it's like, I don't want to have this day. I don't want to have this day. I don't want to have this day. This yeah. is going to be so hard. This is going to be so hard. Oh, and then it happens and then it feels too much. And it's like, well, what could you do to bring the levels down a bit? Yeah, it's such a good point that the um, anticipatory dread leading up to it, you know, you already have the difficulty of the grief and then the other layer you add on top then is, gosh, I don't want to do this. It's going to be awful. It's going to be terrible. And so you kind of escalate that emotional state so much instead of perhaps, you know, just making space. It's going to be really challenging at parts and maybe it'll get easier for a few moments and then challenging again. And I can cope and I can manage and kind of that reassuring self-talk that if I need to step away for a bit, I can do that. You know, it's coming whether I like it or not. And I kind of got to show up in my reality. And I know you talked about that, that there's high levels of stress over this time as well with financial. What about anxiety and mental health disorders over this time and depression? Yeah, I mean, the the research is pretty interesting around that. What it shows in general is that there is often a, a reduction in sort of admissions for inpatient mental health care during that time and support seeking before Christmas and at Christmas time. And then between Christmas and New Year, what you see is a spike <laughs> yeah, in, in people seeking help again, which I guess, you know, perhaps, I mean, there could be many explanatory reasons for that and we could speculate on a few, but I suppose there's sort of not much time alone or lots of things to be done or perhaps guilt and shame around how you're feeling leading up to Christmas. And so in that period, that's a really risky time. And unfortunately as well, at least in New Zealand, a real reduction in available services over the holiday period leading up for us quite into sort of mid-January. So from sort of mid to end of December to mid-January, it's a really limited resources there as well. So so that is a bit of a worry. Of yeah. course, you know, there are some services available that you can access that are 24-7 and all the time. But 
for people sort of in regular therapy or sort of having regular appointments for their well-being, that's usually filtered off for that period of time. So that can be quite challenging for people. I think it's a really good point is just to acknowledge as well the almost the roller coaster wave of that time. Mm. And and just as a piece again of awareness as those that are listening to this or then looking at others around them and having the space to check in to be like, actually, are you okay? How are you mm. feeling over this time? Yeah. What can we do as humans individually uh, to check in with the people around us? And then what do we need ourselves to help navigate this time better? They're kind of two very simple things that can make it easier or easeful for people around us. You've got to negotiate boundaries there. How much can I offer support to others? How much do I need to support myself? Yeah, I think that's a really big topic actually around this because I mean, I struggle with that in family situations as well. And then I feel the guilt of not being there enough and yet then finishing that week, probably maybe two weeks because of family coming from overseas and everywhere. It's like, okay, I've got to be there. And then I have other people that are like, oh, I'll just show up for this amount of time. I'm like, oh, wish I could be like you and then just go and have my time. So it is an interesting piece around the beliefs that you have yourself around what is the expectations and therefore how's that going to play out in the relationships over that time. And, you know, I always see that conflict come up and particularly when you've had partners involved, that's Mm. the bit that I find so fascinating is the blending of people together. I think what you said before is really interesting as well around, you know, why do they come for only a little bit of time? And I'm here the whole time. And earlier you spoke about family roles. Mm-hmm. And so it is always an interesting thing to reflect on like, oh, why am I here? And my sister is not, or my brother is not. And, and so what's my role in this family? What's the expectation? Which is helpful for setting boundaries as well to observe what other people are doing. So maybe, hey, maybe this is a me thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this is the, the, the dynamic that I, you know, maybe I've been part of or has been created for me. Maybe just because I feel guilty doesn't mean that it's the wrong thing to do. So just because I feel guilty about not being there the whole two weeks doesn't mean that I should be there for the whole two weeks. It may be uncomfortable for me not to be there the whole two weeks. I may feel uncomfortable, but that's just a feeling. It's not, it's not harmful. I also think then when you do say no you to others, you, the, the key simple thing is usually saying yes to yourself. So if you've come into that Christmas period and you've been burned out and you've been traveling as well, just trying to get somewhere, you often need some decompression time for yourself before you start to kind of hit the family circuit in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know some people break up that time. They'll spend like a few days with one family and then they'll go away or or have a few days at home before they then go back into the other family. So some decompression time at home or in your space or away somewhere that's just you and not any other kind of extended family. I, I know that that is helpful for some people. I have two questions that I find fascinating for this time as well. So what about blended families? How do we make this work for the the parents that have separated and the children? How do we make this time, which can feel really stressful, better? So for blended families, it's, it's a complex question. Of course, everyone's dynamic is different. And I guess what you want to think about as well is there's, there's contextual differences in how families celebrate Christmas. Mm. Your, your family of origin versus maybe the family that you're, you've been integrated into, there will be differences in the way you celebrate Christmas. Perhaps they have this thing for Christmas lunch and you have something else and you do it this way and you have presents at this time. And 
we can get quite rigid about our rules and the way that things go. And so that can cause a bit of conflict. In particular with blended families where there's sort of children blending and step parents and, and all of that, time is a really stressful issue. How much time do I spend with one parent versus the other parent? And the idea of, of kind of trying to separate out the time, and it's often the case that one parent might feel disappointed or left out. And so it's hard because that's a feeling and there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. But at the same time, we must make space for what is best for the young person who is being in the middle of sort of two families and trying as best you can to let them make choices if they're old enough about how they want to spend time tolerating the uncomfortableness or perhaps the disappointment and setting up time outside of the holiday day that you can have quality time together. The other big question I have, I know you work a lot with women and men that have eating disorders. And so while that's not the topic I'm kind of going to, but I also want to look at our relationship with food over this time that can be challenging for many people. How do we maintain a healthy relationship with food when it's, a, you know, sometimes out of our control? It is a really challenging time, so, yeah, like you said, specifically for um, people who struggle with disordered eating, but also for a lot of people in general. Like we said, you really fall out of your own routine and being able to have control over your food and make your own choices, that, that does come out of your hands. And so I think... You have to just allow for the inconsistencies in diet and that this is just a period of time where maybe you're not eating from all of the food groups and you're eating more sort of high energy foods and, and that's okay. It, it just is and 99% of people around you are doing the same thing. And of course, you know, it makes sense that outside of sort of events um, and things like that, that you try and you eat foods that fuel you in the best way, but you also have to have some tolerance for the idea that it is just what it is. And if you start to get too anxious or rigid about it, that can really impact your ability to kind of be mindful, be present, and just enjoy the moment and all of the kind of unpredictability and lack of control that comes with it, knowing that it's a discrete period and that the rest of the year you can do whatever you want. I think that's a great advice for people. You can still say no as well to certain things as well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel good to you, listening to your gut around that. But actually acknowledging that it still was a short period of time. We always joke, we get like the the London fiver and the university fiver. You put five cages in straight away for Christmas. Uh, and that's often around how our family environment is. So I think, again, it's around the boundaries, around what you feel comfortable with. What do you bring in to make it easy so that you can nourish yourself that keeps yourself feeling good? But like you said, having a little bit of leniency is also okay and self-compassion yeah. in that area is a perfect way of yeah. putting it into practice yeah. and it, it's natural that people uplift weight during holidays whether that be holidays abroad christmas time all the research shows that most people uplift some weight yeah. it's not usually significant and over the next few weeks your body sort of balances itself back out and so trying not to get consumed by the number it just is what it is your weight will look after itself once you go back to all of your normal habits and trying to focus on being present and being mindful and connecting with others rather than trying to over control food and exercise. 
So that kind of leads beautifully into this last piece of today, which is around the self-care. What are the top things that you do or that you recommend people over this time to help with that self-care routine? Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because you really learn more about what you need the more Christmases you go through. And for me, I really like to take some time away um, from other people. It's no offense. This is not about you. It's more about just needing my space, but a time to decompress. So I have a dog. So that's always helpful so that I can go and walk him and have a bit of downtime. I do like to keep up my regular movement as much as possible throughout Christmas. I know that there's like probably like sort of five or six days there where it's just like, but leading up to it, I think it just helps me to be in the best mind frame going into it. I think also trying to get adequate sleep. Yeah. Sometimes because we, we can get like so excited that there's people around or there's so much going on that your sleep schedule starts to get whacked. And then that can have a real impact on your sense of self. So yeah, as much as you kind of want to stay up every night, just thinking about trying to get some good nights of rest in there as well. You know, it's a hard balance between friends and family as well. You know, trying to to make room for all of them. And sometimes there can be some guilt around family needing to be kind of in the home with family versus spending time with friends. And so just remembering that, that, you know, your friendship group is also really important and is really important to your well-being and, and you are totally entitled to spend some of your festive period with them as well. And yeah, just if you do feel guilty about that, just noticing the guilt feelings and making space for it, but knowing actually rationally that's an okay thing to do. It's totally normal. Those little things that you're doing, whether it's with sleep or movement and trying to find your time amongst the chaos. So you <laughs> <laughs> a few naps exactly so one of the things for me was definitely sleep but rest so what yeah. is you know we people are active relaxers some of them are like out doing everything but if you're not that you've actually got to go I actually need to go and read a book I need to go and lie by the beach I need to go and sit in stillness or I need to go sit in the mountains and that for me is going to fill up my cup because it's actually your holidays as well I think there's been some big pieces that you've talked about today regarding financial pressures and so that self-care can be actually having a discussion beforehand and finding a space and time to do that where you don't feel challenged, which is really hard as well. Coming up to Christmas, it's like, I'm already stretched. How am I going to find time to have a conversation around all these things? Do it soon. (laughs) Do it before you have to. Yeah, because otherwise that's when that reactivity comes in and then, then you feel all the emotions come in because you've been behaving in a way that doesn't feel good we're talking about this for a reason and, and the research shows that you others feel the same way around this time of the year so there has to be compassion that it can be exhausting it can be anxious and triggering it can be stressful it can be sad sad as well and so all those things are normal and you're not alone in that so then finding ways to find tools that you can help navigate it is going to be powerful as you come out the other side of the holidays and my vision like you said that vision of well how do you actually want to feel at the end of that holiday Now, I'd like to think that my cup is full with energy and connection and joy and movement, but sometimes it's like, actually, I didn't put things in place to help me do that. So I'm going to really think about that this year around what does it mean for my family unit to have a holiday that is what we want together and then look at that and the bigger family unit, how does that sort of settle into that and what charges all of us up so I know that my daughter probably loves the family cousin time and really like thrives mm-hmm. off that and hanging out and I know my, my boy loves time 
to chill and to be out in nature doing things. And I'm a bit of both. So it's figuring out what that looks like. And I think this reminder to take space is just so powerful, right? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And remembering that we're just imperfect people and you might not get it 100% right this this year, but it's all learning for the future. Exactly. Always got next Christmas to practice. <laughs> you see. Thank you, Dr. Vic, for your time and your wisdom today. I think many people will be getting a lot out of this episode to help them go, right, before the Christmas, speed up. What am I going to do to take control? So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Bravery Academy. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you're looking to take your support for the podcast to the next level, visit patreon.com forward slash the Bravery Academy to access exclusive content and get early access to our upcoming episodes. Your feedback means the world to us. So please take a moment to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for being part of the Bravery Academy community. Stay brave, stay curious, and keep challenging yourself to grow. Until next time. That is a wrap for Season 1 of the Bravery Academy. Season 2 will be out at the end of January 2024. In the meantime, make sure you jump over to our YouTube and check out all our videos over there of the amazing interviews for Season 1. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe, rate and review and thank you for supporting the Bravery Academy. Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved.